So as we get into our lesson here this morning, if you look on the screen behind me, it says, I am the light, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the door, I am the bread, I am the vine. Did Jesus make a lot of I am statements? He made a lot of I am statements. And when he made these statements, we have to you know, uh, examine these statements. And this morning, we're going to look to examine um, I am the vine. We're gonna, I want you to open up your Bibles. I'll have it on the screen behind me, but I know like, some of you like to follow along. So open up to John chapter 15. Uh, the crux of today's lesson will be from John chapter 15. That'll be most of the verses that we look at. There'll be a couple of oddballs, but that'll be the crux of the lesson. And as you're turning to John chapter 15, I want us to really think about something here. Because the idea of John chapter 15 is I am the vine. It is the idea of abiding, remaining in Christ. And when we think of this idea of remaining or abiding in Christ, sometimes it's difficult for us to do. And it kind of makes me think, I was looking for an illustration that goes along with this. And I found one that's kind of similar. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead and turn the mic. We want the guys in the back to hear this. No switch. Okay, thanks. I think this one has to be turned on in the back, no? So, as we look at this, uh, who here has ever uh, ate dinner? And who here likes breakfast dinners? I gotta say here. Who here likes breakfast dinners, right? Christy and I, we like to have breakfast dinners. And have you ever had like uh, over medium eggs, maybe some biscuits and gravy and some sausage? I know it's getting lunchtime, I'm making you hungry. But you have that, right? And then you just, you eat, you know, I just don't feel like cleaning up the kitchen tonight. And so you just put the dishes off to the side and then you hit Gina shake her head, ooh. And then you put your dishes off to the side, which we clean ours up after the meal too. But sometimes you don't, right? There's been a couple of those nights and it's like, I don't know what they put in yolk, but I think it's like whatever they put in Gorilla Glue. Because like, it is almost impossible to get the dried yolk off of the plates, right? So you can either try scrubbing or scraping it, or you can do what? You can soak it in some hot, soapy water, right? Throw some hot uh, water and some uh, Dawn dish soap in there. Let it soak for a while. Let it abide in the solution. And then what starts to happen? It starts to break, the, it, starts to break it down. It makes it much easier to clean. And so I want us to think about abiding in Christ and, and what that means to really our baptism. Because in our baptism, it's where we uh, Christians begin the soaking process, if you will. We go down into the water of baptism, and it's like, it's like that dish that's soaking in that dawn, uh, hot, soapy water. We go down into baptism in the water, and we're raised up in newness of life. The old sins are washed away in the waters of baptism, just like that food is washed away as it abides in that soapy solution. And so we need to make sure that as we abide in Christ, then the, 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 the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ continues to wash over us as we abide in Christ. That's what the scriptures teach us. And so as we look at today's lesson, Jesus says that we must abide in him. He doesn't say, hey, if you can, try to abide in me. He doesn't say, you know, try to, you know, 60-40, 60% of the time, 70% of the time, if you can abide in me, and that other 30-40%, hey, do what you want, you know, fulfill your, fulfill your dreams and your aspirations. He says, no, you must abide in me if you want to remain in his love. But then as we look at John chapter 15, we're going to look at it from a little deeper uh, stance here this morning. But before we do that... Jesus said some things about himself. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door. Well, what did it mean? It meant that he was the way into God's kingdom. 
You cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless it's through Christ Jesus. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, meaning that he shines in the darkness of sin. He shined, his light shines through. So in a sin and dark-filled world, in a sin-filled world, darkness, that the light of Christ will shine through each and every time. Light always wins. Righteousness always wins out over evil in the end. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of the light. I am the bread of life. And so what is he talking about when he says that I am the bread of life? Spiritually speaking, those who come to Jesus will never hunger. They will never thirst because we know, spiritually speaking, that God will provide for all of the saints. And so today I want us to focus in on John chapter 15. I want us to kind of set the stage, though, before we do. Because in order to really understand John chapter 15 and verses 1 through about 14 is what we're going to cover. We need to understand that on the Sunday before this, Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And, and instead of trying to kill him, they hailed him as the king. The people were lined up by the road. They were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. I'm really going to have a sore throat after this because I feel like I'm yelling up here. And so blessed is the king of Israel. And as the week progressed, Jesus' disciples, uh, uh, he, he taught his disciples the very hard truth that his earthly ministry was coming to an end. This is all happening from the previous Sunday. And then on Thursday of that week, Jesus takes his disciples up into the upper room. And they do what? They partake of the Passover feast. And during that time, Jesus takes, uh, takes the time to wash the disciples' feet. And he set the ultimate example of servitude that his disciples are to have. We are not to wash each other's feet. He was just showing the example that if I, your master, your teacher, your Lord, wash your feet, you too must serve others. And so he's setting an example for us. And so those disciples of the first century, just like and thus us here in the 21st century, we have to make sure that we have a servant mindset. We have to have a, a, the, the uh, we think about the example of Jesus Christ. We think about all that God had come to do and how Jesus fulfilled all that was written about him in the Psalms, the law, and the prophets. Jesus came to serve. We know that in Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that he gave up the power and the majesty and the glory that he had with the Father before the foundation of the world. And in John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says he took on flesh. And he took on flesh and he became human. He became like man. And he experienced all that we experienced. He experienced the peer pressure. He experienced the temptation. He experienced all that life has to offer. And we understand that he, that he stayed the course. He did exactly as the Father has commanded him. And that's what the crux of First John, or John chapter 15 is going to talk about today. That we too must remain in Christ and produce good fruit. When you think about this, brethren, and we think about the idea of servanthood and how we are called to be servants, disciples, deacons, right? It all, it all has the idea of service, servanthood. And we think about the term agape love. Why do we all often talk about agape type of love? Because that was that sacrificial love. The love your enemy is the love of agape love. That's that sacrificial love. It's not an ooey gooey feeling and that just that butterflies you get in your stomach when you first meet somebody that that, that you that you're, uh, that you're just infatuated with, right? It's not those types of love. It's not those types of feeling. 
It's the type of service and sacrifice. That's the idea of going the extra mile. And that's the agape love that Jesus so exemplified in his three-year earthly ministry. And it was after this that during the Passover feast that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, telling his disciples to continue to participate in the Lord's Supper as they move forward. Jesus also predicted that Judas was going to be, uh, betray him. He also predicted uh, Peter's denials that were going to take place in, in, in the coming hours. And Jesus clearly tells his disciples that, that he will be with them only a short while longer. But he promises them a helper. And all this is happening in this very short period of time. And that Jesus was going to send the helper. He was going to send the Holy Spirit who would come to be an advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our guide that leads us in the truth of the word of God that was sent from the Father unto Jesus and then through the Holy Spirit as the helper. And the disciples were clearly troubled by Jesus' teachings. They were clearly troubled by the, the fact that Jesus says that I, this night I will be crucified. But Jesus had more words of comfort for his, uh, for his disciples. So as they're leaving the upper room, they're on their way to Gets, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Jesus, on his way, he speaks to them again. And it comes to us in John chapter 15 and verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to start. And so when you look at John chapter 15, uh, actually we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Um, if you have your Bibles open, notice what it says here. Jesus is the vine, and the followers of Jesus are the branches. And Jesus says, I am the vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so what? So that it'll bear more fruit, it'll be more productive. You are already clean, it says in verse 3, because of the word which I have spoken to you. So abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, and so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather those branches up and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. Brethren, what is Jesus telling us here? We know that Jesus in, in his ministry, he oftentimes used the events of the day to teach uh, the lessons to his uh, disciples. And the clear message that we hear in John chapter 15 is that Jesus was relaying to his disciples that you must remain in me and... You see, it's not just believing in me. It's you must remain in me and produce fruits. What does he mean, produce fruits? It's the works that we do. It's, the, it's fulfilling the commission that God has given us. And Jesus wants us to follow the path that he has set forth for us. Jesus is telling his disciples, do not look to the left. Do not look to the right. Stay on course. Stay on the path that I have already directed you. And if you do so and you abide in me, then I will give you rest for your weary souls. Brothers and sisters, when we go down into the waters of baptism and we freely give our lives over to Christ, we yoke ourselves to Christ. And we have to remain in Christ. And we have to take care of the mission that God has given each and every one of us to fulfill. Jesus was showing his disciples that to carry out the task, that they would have to continue to trust him. 
They would have to continue to believe in him, to trust in him, to remember the words that he taught, to remember the miracles that he had, that he had performed, because the miracles confirm who he says he is. And so I think Jesus was concerned, brethren, and he was warning his disciples to not forget about him because we as human beings have certain tendencies, do we not? And have you ever thought about the tendency of out of sight, out of mind? How often is that? How, how often does that come true? How many times have we had a best friend while we're growing up or a best friend in high school or a best friend in college or in early adulthood and then that best friend moves away or maybe we move away? And while they're around us all the time, it's just second nature to think about them, to call them, to go out with them, and to do things with them because you care about them. But when you move away or they move away, well, all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a separation. There's time and there's a time and distance and a gap that is between you. And all of a sudden, what happens? We get focused on the here and now. And before it was second nature to think about them daily, now it might be a week or a month or a, or a year and you haven't spoken, you haven't got together, why? It's not because you don't like them anymore, it's not because you have any less uh, feelings for them, it's just because we as human beings tend to focus in on the here and now, and they're not in the here and now, and so we start to do what? We start to kind of forget about the relationship. Not that we still don't have that relationship, it's just not something we uh, have hold as close to the chest as we used to. We don't hold it as close as the heart that we used to. Why? Because I've got other things going on. I'm meeting new people. And so, brethren, Jesus is warning his disciples that if they neglect his teachings, if they don't remain in him, then there's going to be a problem. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He calls them friends. He says, but you're only my friends if you keep my commandments, if you remain in me. And so we see there in John chapter 15 and verse 1 through 6 that he says, you must remain in me and you must produce good fruits. And he knew that Jesus knew that he was going away. He knew that he was going to ascend back to the Father. And so he, he wasn't going to be with them day in and day out. And human tendency is for, as I just said, for us to start to have a gap that forms between us. Why do you think we are to remember him each and every Lord's Day? Do this in remembrance of me. Because if we only did it, if we only gathered a couple times a year, how, how long would it be before we could uh, completely just forget about him? Forget about the sacrifice. You see, brethren, that is true. And that is a human tendency. Because oftentimes life gets in the way. And so it's critical that we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, remain in Christ and that we do the work that he has given us with humility. And we do that work with love. And that will show that will show the world that we are Jesus' disciples. That will show the world the love that we have for the Father. Because didn't Jesus do all that he did to glorify the Father? And he calls us to do all that we do to glorify the Father. I think of uh, uh, John chapter 15 and verse 8 now. And Jesus says there in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is every move when he walked this earth. Everything Jesus did was to the glory of the Father in heaven. And as Jesus uh, uh, looks to his disciples, he tells them, and thus likewise us now, that task now belongs to you. That task belongs to me. Because are we not disciples of Jesus Christ? And so all that we do is to be uh, done in the way that glorifies the Father. 
We are to be holy as he is holy. Why? To the glory of the Father. So brothers and sisters, Jesus now gives us this commission. He gives us this task. We read about Matthew chapter 28. We talk about going out into all the world and pre pre preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples of all, uh, of all mankind, teaching them to obey all that God had commanded you. And so we think about that commission. We think about the idea of producing fruit, that we must produce fruit. It's not enough to just be baptized and just read your Bible once in a while. There is a commission that had been given to each and every Christian. There are works that need to be done, and Jesus calls them fruit. He says, if you don't produce fruit, if you don't produce works, you're not a disciple of mine. When Jesus had come to this earth and he took on flesh, did he do all that God had commanded of him? And did he produce good works? Did he produce fruit in his life and in his ministry? And he says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to do the same. And so, brethren, we look at this. Every move of a disciple is to bring glory to God by abiding in Christ Jesus, by abiding in his teaching and abiding in his example that he had already set for us. Jesus points out some of the things in this parable that are necessary for a fruitful life. And when we think about a fruitful life, first and foremost, there has to be a cleansing. If you go back and you look, and I don't have this on the screen behind me, but if you look back in your Bible, John 15, look back at verse 1 and 2 there. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. If you're a Christian and you remember Matthew chapter 7, what did Jesus tell him in Matthew chapter 7? They said that there's going to be many Christians who come to me in that last day, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name? And he says, I don't even know who you are. You who practice lawlessness. And so there needs to be a cleansing. It says in verse 2 here that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, that doesn't do the works that the Father has given them to do. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes them. Why? So they'll be more productive, just like we do with our rose bushes and all the other plants in a garden. And so Jesus uses this picture of a gardener, a gardener who prunes the vine so that it will be healthy and so that it will be productive. He cuts out the non-productive parts, and so the branches are healthier. He cuts out the bad so that the good growth may come. And brethren, that's exactly what happens to us when we become Christians. When we profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we repent of our sins, and when we enter the waters of baptism, the Bible gives us the picture of, of the cutting away of the bad. Why? So that the good can come forth. So the good can flourish. We're no longer the old man of sin. We're a new creation. God has pruned us, so to speak, in the waters of baptism. Before you get to the waters of baptism, what did Peter tell them in Acts chapter 2? You need to repent. What is repentance? It's a turning away from sin. And so you look at the scriptures here this morning. And I look at uh, verse uh, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 behind me. The Apostle Paul, when you get to Acts chapter 22, he was telling of his conversion story in Acts chapter 22. And when he gets to this point, he says, the individual who baptized him says, now what are you waiting for? Get up and do what? Wash away your sins. You get up and you get baptized and your sins are washed away. Think of repentance and baptism as a pruning. I think of Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. And Jesus told us, 
Jesus said, uh, he saved, Jesus saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, that's baptism, and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. What do we receive at the time of baptism? We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our sins are washed away. God picks us up out of, the, out of a life and world of sin, and he adds us to the kingdom of God as a new creation. And the purpose of our salvation through faith and repentance, through confession and baptism, is to take away the old life that was marred by the acts of sin and to make us a new creation. Do you see how we are to abide in Christ? Do you see why the, the, the preaching of the, uh, the parable of I am the vine and you are the branches, why that is so critical to understand to our faith? Because we need to make sure that we understand this. Essentially, we become a different person. I look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, and the scriptures tell me here, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone away. The new has come. Like I said, baptism is a type of pruning. It's the washing away of the sin. It's the creation of a new individual in Christ. And so we understand that we have a new beginning. And God gives us the opportunity to transform our hearts and our minds with the word of God, which is then going to produce good fruit. If we live, if we live according to the word and if we live in Christ, brothers and sisters, do you see the words in Christ there on the screen behind me? In order to abide in Christ, in order to remain in Christ, the first step is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You cannot remain in something that you're not in. There are many people who have not been baptized. They think they're Christians, and yet they're not in Christ. It's a very simple concept. You're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. You can't be in the middle. And so, brothers and sisters, to be in Christ, there must be a cleansing. There must be a pruning, as this parable teaches. And it begins with repentance, and it begins with baptism. And through the act of baptism, our sins are washed away. The old sinful branches are cut off. And then the new growth starts to form. Because as a babe in Christ, as you continue on in the word, what happens? You start to become more and more spiritually mature over time. And as you become more mature over time and you repent along the way, God is causing new growth. That repentance is like the pruning that causes the new growth that produces the fruits. And so then, brethren, we think about this idea of in Christ. In order to be faithful, Jesus says, you don't, you don't just need to be in me, but you need to stay in me. How many people leave the Lord's church? How many people come uh, to, uh, to hear the word of God? It pricks their heart for a time or for a season, and then they fall away. That's why Jesus preaches the parable of the sowers. And so you look at this information. You think about John chapter 15 and verse 9. And notice what it says here. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. He's not asking them to please remain in my love. He's giving them a command. For you can do nothing be, uh, uh, without me. You are nothing if you don't abide in me. You can't accomplish anything outside of me that has any staying power. Because if you only do a few good works, but you live a life of sin... Then it's like in Matthew 7, Jesus says, I don't know who you are, you man of sin, you who practice lawlessness. So you see, brethren, Jesus tells us how we could remain in him. He tells us how to do that. 
Because you look in the same chapter in verses 10 through 14, notice what it says now. Jesus says, if, if is a very important word because if de uh, it denotes that the idea that there has to be an action following it. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just, I have kept, just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may, may be made full. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And yet how many brothers and sisters in Christ don't love one another, don't have that affection for one another, who are constantly backbiting and slandering one another? Brethren, it happens in the church all the time. There's a reason why churches split. Not because of the great love that they have for one another. Not because of any, anything other than the fact that they're looking to their own ways to have their own uh, mind or their own words heard, their own opinions heard. And if they don't get their way, they leave. They're not abiding in Christ. They're not remaining in Christ. They're being selfish. And so we think about the idea of remaining in Christ. I'm not talking about remaining in a situation to where they're teaching false doctrine. I'm not talking about uh, elders who have gone astray. I'm just talking about people who don't get their way. And so they say, I'm going to go somewhere else. Somewhere else who will hear somebody, to another congregation that maybe will hear my voice. Brothers and sisters, Jesus gives us a commandment that we are to love one another. And in verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that one would be willing to even lay down his life for another. Jesus says in verse 14, you are my friends. There's another if. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You see, brethren, I often tell you that we are in a master-servant relationship, amen? Yes, we are the children of God. Yes, we are friends of Jesus Christ if we do what our master commands of us. What happens to servants who don't do what their master commands? There's punishment involved. And it's no different with God that we are to do all that he commands of us or will hear the words, I know not who you are. So brothers and sisters, as I get ready to shut this lesson down, and I know Tyler, I said shut this lesson down five minutes early, but I want you to just, I gotta do this one for Tyler. You know, as I get ready to close this down a few minutes early, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that we can be victorious. We can be victorious, we can overcome the world, we can obey God's commands, how you might ask? By remaining in Christ. And by trusting in his words, trusting in his life, trusting in his example, and by allowing the word of God to be a guide to our path, a light to our feet, we need to make sure if we do that, that we will produce much fruit. Jesus says we need to stay as close to him, the vine, as humanly possible, so we'll receive the life-saving nourishment from the vine. If you do this, you'll be able to stand up in the face of temptation. You'll be able to stand up in the face of peer pressure. You'll be able to stand up in the face of worldliness and cultural pressures instead of always uh, being dragged down by them. Instead of always uh, cowering in fear to the new cultural pressures or ideas of the day. Brethren, society and culture is always going to change, but God's word remains true throughout time. <coughs> Are you willing to remain in Christ and produce good fruits by trusting in Jesus Christ, trusting in his life, trusting in his teachings, trusting his, in his examples. If you are, then you need to strive to live a life that is worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. 
If we abide in Christ, we'll find God's presence in every situation of life, whether we're in good times or in bad times. For we know that we, for we know that all who are working to do good, that God is there. And brethren, in this life, I'm here to tell you that there is going to be love in your life. There's going to be happiness. There's going to be joy. But there's also going to be anger and hate and sickness and disappointment and sadness. But what's the point? If you remain in Christ, Jesus has overcome the world. And so can you. But you have to remain attached to the vine. His teachings, his example, and allow his disciple, allow you as a disciple to do all that God calls us to do. If you're hearing this message today and you are not a child of God, you have an opportunity right now to change that. You don't have to wait any longer. You can have God add you to the kingdom. You can have your sins washed away, that pruning that I was speaking of. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to reside within you, the temple, the new temple of God. If that is your desire, you can come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation. But maybe you're here right now. <laughs> but maybe you're here right now and you're struggling in your faith, in your Christian faith. Anybody here struggle? I know I struggle from time to time. If you've got struggle in your life, you can come forward right now. And you can ask the elders, you can ask uh, for prayers, for help. You can ask them to, to, for, you to, uh, to, for them to guide you in your faith. And they'll be willing to do that. Why? Because we are a family here at Lincoln Park. And as Jesus says, if you are my disciples, you'll love one another. And I can tell you there's a great love in this congregation that we have one to another. If this is you this morning, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.